Hello, hello, and welcome to Hospitality and the Infinite Game, a podcast series focused on answering one simple question. What type of hospitality industry do we actually want to create? In these episodes, Michael and David discuss big ideas that might set the foundation for a different model of success. A model which would allow us to piece together a bold new way forward, where our businesses can thrive whilst making a positive impact on people, communities and the planet. We make no claims to have all the answers, far from it in fact, but we hope these conversations might just get you thinking. We are learning and hopefully you'll learn with us. So join us. The game is afoot and it's an infinite one. Well, David, we're back again, and I'm absolutely scared about what we're going to be talking about now because we can only get it wrong. <laughs> I think and you're I'm, probably right. <laughs> and I rarely say that, you know, that we, we can't get some of it right. We, we say as well in the intro, we don't have all the answers, but this is really one where we got caught out, didn't we? I think you're right. I think this is it's interesting because we almost don't know what we don't know, and that's, that is almost the most dangerous position to be in. Uh, I think it was initially in a clubhouse room where we were talking about um, the future of hospitality and we were talking about the issues that were going to affect the industry and none of us had mentioned diversity and inclusion as a topic and then as a throwaway comment there were some people that came into the room and I said hey if anyone wants to join us it'd be great to get your opinion it's all a bit white and male up here throwaway comment but then I think Moret came up and joined us and said I think that's you know a good point about actually being white and male because I think that's one of the issues we need to solve and it just highlighted the blind spot for us as people talking about this, that it's just not there. And then even when we came to brainstorm the list of topics for this mini-series that Michael and I are recording, diversity and inclusion still didn't make the list. And then we came back and looked at the list afterwards and said, why have we not put diversity and inclusion on there as, as a thing? Again, because it's just this blind spot that we have being white and male, that it's just not something we come up against every day. Um, so I think Michael and I decided that we don't know enough about this at all. And we need to speak to someone that does. And Lorraine, you and I were introduced recently. Um, and it's great to have you on as a guest to, to help us learn. Um, so do you want to give us a brief introduction about yourself and what you do? Yes, sure. Um, my name's Lorraine Culps. I am the founder of Be Inclusive Hospitality, um, which is a social enterprise and not-for-profit organisation. And just for broader context, I've worked in the hospitality sector for 20 years across a variety of sectors from contract catering, um, hotels, pubs, fine dining, casual dining. Um, and so the, the mission of the business is really to accelerate race equality within the hospitality sector. And we very much take a, a multi-pronged approach to that. Now, the, I suppose the core of the business is really anchored in supporting people of colour to move upwards um, and supporting upward social mo mobility. Um, but in addition to that, we also have a diversity and inclusion consultancy and we host events and we conduct independent research as well. Fascinating. Now, thank you for, for, for giving us that kind of brief idea. I know we were talking before the, the, this recording about your, your roles in procurement and all yes. of the depth of that. But yeah. there's so much to discuss on that topic. But I think we'll save that for another podcast. Definitely. Michael was uh, very keen to get into that one with you. I think the first thing I really noticed when I read your your deck when you sent it across was um, a sentence you had in there that 
technically diversity is not a problem in the industry. Yeah. What did you mean by that? Yeah. So what I meant by that is um, I'd start by saying actually there's firstly limited information available around ethnicity within hospitality. But what is available is um, consensus data. Um, so on the government website, we had a think tank organisation analyse um, hospitality stats by ethnicity. And what that found was that 17.83% of the sector identifies black, Asian or ethnic minority. Now, this is within operational roles only and doesn't include uh, head office. Mm-hmm. What we also looked at was how the stats differed 10 years ago. And they're very much the same. So if you've got 17% of the sector that are people of colour in effect, um, and I've been in the sector 20 years, and during my time, I can always count the number of black or brown people in any decision-making room that I've sat within. So it's clear that that's symptomatic of a, a wider problem. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to give the context to the 17%, something like the national average in the UK is about 16%? Yeah, I or think something? it's 14.5. Okay. Yeah, so, so it's ahead of the national average so, for sure. So, so the question isn't about... Um, representation of the percentage of population, but it's how those people progress and stay within the industry and progress within the industry to a point where they are impacting on decisions. Exactly. Or making the decision, you know. And your definition of diversity, as you're looking at here, is around... Um, the black and Asian community. Do you see anything around the uh, the kind of male female split as well, or is that less of a, a battleground? Is the wrong word. Is that um, less of an area of concern? Yeah. So I mean, as an organisation, our focus is around race equity and race equality. From a gender split perspective, I would say, especially during my time within the industry, there are many businesses, some of which I've worked for, that have a 50-50 gender split on the board of directors. Mm. So that's made quite a lot of progress. Um, There's still a lot of work to be done. But the problem I have often encountered is I've seen events uh, touching on hospitality, women in hospitality, um, and there are no people of colour on those those Mm. panels or involved in those conversations. So it really is about focusing on intersectional uh, gender equality because as we know it has been on the table in a conversation that's been ongoing but actually typically doesn't affect people like me yeah absolutely that's a question yeah. um, if you look at the industry now we have a staffing crisis and uh, you know uh, you know and you would think that you know this would become very important because you need to reach new talent pools and so on if you just take it totally commercial hat on here but is is actually you know the, the diversity problem has that actually become worse as we've gone through the pandemic or has become mm. less mm-hmm. well, well, because yeah. we, we, it's a bit like untangible because there's not yeah. as you say there's a few stats yeah there are very few i mean one that was released back in april was that um i think it was black Asian ethnic minorities, the highest level of unemployment driven by the retail and hospitality sectors. So that we do know. Um, the, the reality of the situation is this. Yes, there's a crisis in terms of labour, but actually the very same perhaps attitudes um, and individuals that are running businesses pre-pandemic run them post-pandemic. And so what I personally do not see is 
the diversity or inclusion and belonging being fixed as a, a response to a labour shortage. Ultimately, my view, diversity, inclusion and equity, it really is around your people and your culture and creating spaces where everyone feels as though they belong and that's fair and equitable at the end of the day. And if as a, a business leader, your starting point is that, by nature of building healthy and nurturing company cultures, you're going to attract and, you know, recruit diverse types of people from all parts of, of society, not just on a, a race basis. Have, have you felt there's come more attention to this because there is a, an issue now that actually you know you need to, to, to yeah. recruit from a diverse group and you need to understand that, yeah. you know, the, the cocky cooter person yeah. I could get in before, yeah. train and put in is not there yeah. anymore. So I now need to think yeah. out of the box and... In, for some businesses, for some businesses that uh, we work with and that I've had conversations with business leaders, they have definitely, they're doing the work internally, but they're also looking outside of the box as well. And it's not just the standalone action of recruiting diversely. And I say that because um, when we incorporated last year, the number one reason why businesses got in touch was they wanted to access a diverse pool of talent and my response to that is actually how much work have you done at this stage to understand what your culture is like for all people and people of color in particular because what you run the risk of doing is bringing people into environments that are not particularly safe or 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 um, inclusive and ultimately they leave and there's a business it costs you more money to replace people once they leave so I think that recruitment shouldn't be looked at in isolation as a solution to the problems that we have. It's it's a more holistic view on how you run your business and what your ethos is when it comes to people. That's really interesting. Does that do you think that's why you get a larger representation of 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 people at the lower rungs of the ladder, if you like, at the beginning of hospitality, and then because perhaps the culture isn't inclusive enough that they don't either want to progress or there's too many glass ceilings or barriers, yeah. whatever it is. Do you think that, that it's that cult- yeah. <clears throat> cultural piece that's, that's missing? I think, that, I think the culture, you know, culture plays such a huge part in how businesses perform, how they act, how they behave and how people feel when they're within them. I would say um, when I look at the community that we've built since last year, the large majority of our, our community are not, you know, kitchen porters, they're middle management But what we have also done is a lot of studies to understand their experiences and their experiences that they feel strongly, and we've got stats supporting this, that their career progression has been held back as a result of their ethnicity and race. We also, um, an inside hospitality report that we released earlier this year, also identified that whether you are black, Asian or mixed race, over 50% of each of these groups have witnessed or experienced racism in the workplace. And this is made up of peer-to-peer or senior to junior, also from a, a you know senior person within the organisation. What it doesn't include is also um, from customers as well, which yeah. in a focus group that we, we held earlier in the year, that that was reported as a problem that's reoccurring and it's not just that the issue occurs in terms of racism, it's the problem that it's then not addressed or no appropriate action or visible action is taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they feel undermined as a, as a result of that. Um, yeah, I guess you could get into bigger conversations around politics and the popular kind of nationalism that's occurred over the last few years or so. It kind of reinforces that 
that that piece. Um, yeah, it certainly sounds like a, a big challenge. But who, who do you, who do you see is doing a good job yeah. on this? Are there people yeah. out there that you've come into contact with that you think are build, making the right steps? And if so, yeah. what what are those yeah. steps? So um, I would say this. You know, we've we've grown our partners. We've got about thirty partners across the sector, and we work with um, brands as well, drink brands, and every single one of the businesses that we work with are doing the work and not doing it for public um, accolades or, you know, to be visible. Yeah. So what I'd also add to that is as of last June, uh, with the murder of George Floyd, that was a real awakening for, for, I'd say, many white people within the world of a big problem that's been there for a very long time. Prior to that, I don't think there were any notable businesses that I was aware that was doing any work shall we say to address the problem and so given that it was just last june and we're now in the following september there's many businesses that are on the journey but this isn't something that happens overnight it really is a long-term strategy the one example that i will give you though of a, a business that um they are not hospitality business more of a service sector to that so imbibe so imbibe uk this year if you look at um the kind of content for their workshops and the facilitators from all a variety of different backgrounds um, and um, genders as well, um, which was great to see. And actually, when you walk the floor of brands that were selling their products the same again. And for me, in 20 years, that's the first experience that I've had in an exhibition space, been in procurement, go to a lot of exhibitions that I've actually seen real diversity across the board um, presented at their exhibition over a two-day period, which was it was really great to be a part of, and I hosted a panel there as well. It's quite interesting because coming back to what you said before, it has to be in, in the culture, in the mindset of these leaders. So apparently, you know, they have something in the leadership have touched them or something, something has happened that made them reconsider the way they approach business principles yeah. and yeah. so on, yeah. because that's what's enforced culture. Yeah. Well, one of their, their values are inclusion. Um, and I'm not sure entirely how new or not that value is, but um, I actually did take part in their event last year as well. So in terms of their journey, I can't comment on that prior to me being involved um, with them as a business, but um but as I said, referring back to June, you know, not just the hospitality sector, but as a nation and as a world, everyone started to take note of a problem that's been there for you know a very, very long time and start to actually have conversations with about it. And I firmly believe you can't address what you can't talk about. And for the most part within the sector, and as I see, and I'm connected with a lot of people on LinkedIn, um, visible of a lot of events in the sector and I personally don't see a huge amount really being done, especially by industry bodies who support the sector and have a voice and a responsibility. So that's been interesting. Do you think that's because they just don't know what to do with the with well, it? Well, well, I think that I personally think that's a bit of a cop out because we live in an information age where there's information available for you to learn yourself, whether individually or collectively. And then if you Google whilst i am the only business within our um, industry that exists of our kind there are other change agents that exist far and wide across the uk so as you do with anything 
I'm not a designer. If I need to understand about design, I'll find a designer that can inform me on the steps I need to take, as you would with any any particular function. So it's no different here because there are experts in the field. And it's about if you want to and if you care about the topic to engage with them, have the conversation so that you can kind of better understand what the steps are that you can take to make an impact. One of the things I was thinking as well, as, as you were saying that, Lorraine, is that you see other industries has, you know, been quite progressive on this subject for, for years. Um, and I worked at McDonald's at one point and we looked at, we didn't look into restaurant or hospitality. We looked into what media companies had done, banking, and especially on diversity with learning disabilities and how you activate yeah. that. Yeah. Do you think like many other areas of this industry, like there's been a lot of talk about digitalization and so on, we, we've been, you know, we just taken long time to professionalize and actually understand the importance of our role in society and communities and actually embracing that. Mm-hmm. Some, some organization has, you'd all be some that's been very good at it, mm-hmm. but it's just not been there because actually if you look in the boardrooms, we are still very traditional, industrial, you know, a lot of white males, running the show. Mm-hmm. But to, to be honest with you, whilst there has been some progress across a number of industries across the UK, across the UK, I mean, we're still looking at in the, I'm sure I read a report recently that said that less than 2% of, of um, black people occupy really senior positions in the UK. So I don't think that hospitality differs hugely apart from the fact that they have a higher proportion of people with, of colour within their businesses, probably similar to somewhere like the NHS. So, you know, I guess in, in many ways I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm a black woman, mm. <laughs> you know, in terms of the why. Yeah. But, but ulti- ultimately as a business, actually, we are not here to convince people or any business leader that it's the right thing to do. We genuinely work with businesses that either get it and need support and help to move forward on their journey or are interested and um, they will go one of two ways they'll get on board or they won't you know so. yeah i was just there was a report that i was reading yesterday and it was talking about senior leaders in industry i think across the uk they said that actually a higher percentage of people called john 77 percent really? than women which was five yeah. percent yeah i mean that, that's even yeah. more of a specific indictment but from yeah. what you were saying about in, in hospitality, there's almost less excuse. I mean, good hospitality businesses are people businesses. They and are. if you have a broader um, spread of people, you know, black and Asian ethnic minorities in the business, and then they aren't coming yeah. through, yeah. then there's something, something's not working there. They're, they're absolutely, um, it, there, there is something that's not working. But the other thing I'll add as well is, during my time within the sector, Often I look to my left or right and my peer, who could be an ops director or, um, uh, you know, HR director, at some point they worked on the shop floor or started, you know, within the operation itself. So hospitality is not a sector that's recruiting from Oxbridge, you know, it's one where people have the opportunity, chance to develop and grow. But dependent on who you are and what your background is, that, that seems to be... The, the kind of equation at the moment and that's that's why we founded the business or I founded the business it's very interesting you almost bring it back to a society issue again it is yeah the, the, very the, much. the, the class uh, society and you know history that's taking you know you know 
hundreds of years actually to break free from and we're still not there you said like yeah. like like black life matters you're probably right a lot of white people suddenly understood there's an issue that hasn't been yeah. dealt with maybe yes yeah. you know it's it's 100 years it's not just decades yeah yeah years. absolutely and, and to that point actually you know we had we were inundated during the month of July and August by companies that want to do something want to help and then they disappeared into the ether come September mm. and so you know I know you mentioned at the beginning about being you know two white men it's not on your radar and for many, it's not on their radar until it's brought to their attention. Yeah. And then they mm. move on to something else. Mm. Yeah, that's that's super interesting because it's also, I think it's unpleasant because it asks, there's definitely when David and I had these conversations, it asks a lot of questions about what have you done yourself mm-hmm. in your career up yeah. to here? What have yeah. you actually done to address this yeah. this issue? And yeah. Definitely, you turn the mirror on your, yourself yeah. and you have a look. And I think that was yeah. one of the questions I had to you was a, mm. about whether you see a difference between, because there isn't any mm. sane, educated person mm. that would think that racism, active mm. racism of any kind mm. is, is acceptable because, you know, I, every human is equal. You yeah. know, we believe that. Yeah. But that I, that is clearly a problem mm. that people have to deal with um, every day. But the one that's more passive yeah. is the kind of... The cultural blind yeah. spot, the the unseen, can't quite exactly put your finger on it piece whereby if you take 100 people that are white or 100 mm. people that are black within the industry, a higher percentage of the white people will make it up to the higher positions. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's hard because it's completely true. I mean, there isn't a study that says that isn't true, but perhaps we... We can't say why. I mean, can can we say why? I mean, I've look, I'm trying to look into the evolutionary side of it. I know that Noah Harari talks about the fact that as human beings, our superpower is our ability to flexibly cooperate. So you know, bees and ants can can do amazing rigid cooperation where they, but you know, the bees aren't going to overthrow the queen. You know, mm-hmm. we, as human beings, we can do incredible yeah. things, and that's the superpower that's made us so successful. Yeah. But the downside of that is that we have this draw to people that look like us, mm. as he described it. Mm-hmm. And so there's that kind of natural bias and quirk to our evolutionary superpower that maybe is reinforcing that. But the point is, if we want to be human beings, the race we want to be, the society we want to be collectively together, then we need to actively put those steps in place to counterbalance Absolutely. That, that, that instinct, Absolutely. that natural thing that is there. So do, do you have a window on what you see those steps are as being? How, how do you, is it just showing the gap? Is it an education piece? Yeah. Is it activity? I think it's, I think it's a combination of things. I think you mentioned about holding the mirror up at yourself um, and, 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 and reflecting um, and having honest conversations, whether you're an individual or whether you're a business leader with your senior team, it starts with reflection and honesty. And then it start, it's, it second follows is actually being brave and courageous to actually identify what the problems are and look to put solutions in place. Now, you mentioned about bias and racism. And I think based on the studies I've read, I think it's clear to say, and I can't quantify this, there's a proportion that is racism and there's a proportion that is bias. Now, where it is bias, you can't unlearn your biases and so it takes time. Um, But the single most popular workshop that we've delivered since launching is called Talking About Race. And it basically upskills leaders so that they 
understand the history actually of race and ethnicity, but also understand appropriate language to use because if you can't talk about something, you can't address it. But then we really break down in a really, um, really simple way, white privilege and bias and understanding what your biases are and how to challenge them. Because, you know, ultimately, you probably remember there was huge amounts of conversations around unconscious bias. And for me, unconscious bias removes all accountability from individuals. But if you look at it, it's a bias that you have. And these are my biases. And we do a lot of exercises within this workshop. How do I start to challenge them from here onwards? And so workshops are one piece, education. There are, there's tons of resources out there um, and information available. We personally work as a business, as a, an advisor, because we've been approached by many businesses that said, you know, look, all about border white men. So we need an objective voice in the room, a soundboard, so that we can implement the appropriate action strategies to support our teams as well as to develop our business that are truly objective and not from a kind of tunnel lens. It's quite interesting and take, take me a little side journey is that you say it's not about numbers in the boardroom, it's about mindset in the boardroom and have the right education in the race. It's not about men, women, colored, well, non-colored. I think, I think in order to drive change, it has to be about both because Using gender as an example, for the two boards that I've sat on that, um, or the executive teams that I've sat on, that it has been 50-50 gender split, didn't happen by accident. The CEO set out that he would have a 50-50 gender split. And did he compromise on the type of person that he brought in? No, he didn't. Because that's something that's always brought up, oh, you know, well, we have to bring in someone that's not as capable. Really capable, super capable teams. But the intention has to be there in the first place, otherwise it won't happen. Mm. You know. Interesting. Mm. What what actions need to be taken in industry? You mentioned industry bodies need to be involved as, as one part of it. Is there other actions you need besides you running these workshops? As I could imagine, is it's really powerful when you start. You know, you always have to start talking about issues to change them. Yeah. yeah, I think there's huge amounts of work to be done. But I think in my mind, I split them into two areas. I think that there's hospitality businesses who are led by teams and boards, and it really starts with them. And second to that, I think there are service businesses to the industry. Mm. And by that, I mean exhibitions, I mean trade press, I mean um, events. Everything that represents the hospitality sector should truly represent the hospitality sector. And at the moment, for the most part, they don't. So I think collectively, everyone needs to start doing the work. And what I mean by doing the work is having those honest conversations and reflections and bringing in the appropriate professionals to support them on their journey. Hmm. That's super interesting. Um, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, I could imagine some skeptics sitting out there, you know, well, we need to run a business, you know, and is it actually good business? Because David and I just did a, an episode this morning where we talked about principal culture mm -hmm. and, and why it's good business for growth mm -hmm. actually to, 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 mm -hmm. to have a healthy culture and actually focusing on healthy culture instead yeah. of just growing your business. Yeah. Is, is this good business when you get it right? Yeah. These companies you work with that get, get it, it right or have the intent yeah. that is on the yeah. journey. I'll start by saying this though, you said we have to run a business. In order to run a business you need people and you need good people and you need to be able to pull from a broad talent pool. So 
aside from the report by McKinsey that says that if you have diverse leaders within your business, you will outperform your competitors by 36%, even if you park those stats. If you are pulling talent from the best talent pool, yeah, the best possible talent pool, and you have a business that reflects society, not only will you become a better and more high-performing business, but you'll also attract customers from, you know, people want to see themselves mirrored in organisations. And even if we look from a brand perspective, I spoke about this last week at an event, that um, there are a few drinks brands that I've started to see use, you know, black and, pe- black and brown people advertising their products. And this isn't a new revelation that, you know, black and brown people have started to drink alcohol over the past 12 months, but we've never seen ourselves reflected in marketing. Now, by talking directly to consumers, that has the potential to also grow your sales. So it feels to me like a no-brainer as to the impact that it can have on business because this isn't about... um, It's about doing the right thing, absolutely, but it's about talent, and it's about talent currently not getting the opportunity or access to make an impact that they can on the basis of their race and their ethnicity. And that's very interesting because most of these companies do marketing. So that's probably a very quick action you could do. That's what the majority of companies have done first, to be fair. Uh, You know, since last year, even businesses that I know that do not have that diversity within their organisations, there's diverse marketing, black and brown people advertising Mm. um, campaigns. And actually, it feels a bit performative if you're not doing the work Mm. inside, Mm. you know. Yeah, because you can preach something you don't do yourself. That's what you're saying. Yeah, super interesting. I guess it becomes the equivalent of greenwashing, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, you want the to get the um, benefit from the outward signs um, and perhaps yeah. even done with the best intentions if the internal work has, yeah. doesn't match up to that, yeah. then you're sort of selling, um, you're doing it for the wrong reason exactly. because you feel like you should. I mean, yeah. the number of adverts mm. you see, I mean, I've noticed in the last year, yeah. the number of mixed-race families that yeah. come on advertising yeah. anything, yeah. Um, and you just, which is good, mm. but you ask the question, what was the motivation between yeah, doing sure. it? Did they feel they couldn't yeah. have a white family now? or well, they couldn't yeah. have an all-black family, so they want to appeal yeah. to both audiences, yeah. so let's put these... And, and it's just, yeah, it's a question of motivation of it what is. sits behind it, it, is. it, when you can really buy into that. It is, and I think... I'm thinking what you probably will take from this conversation is that it is like a jigsaw. You know, there are so many parts to moving, you know, the the problem at hand forward. And there's loads of considerations. And that's why I think it's really important for businesses not to do it alone, quite simply. Because there's multiple considerations. Yeah, and clearly they don't have the expertise, otherwise they would have done it so far or had a better better handle on it i think that what you were saying earlier about this process of going through the work just reminded me of mm. something one of my business coaches talked about is the kind of path of learning and you start off being unconsciously incompetent yes. you mm. don't know what you don't yeah. know and you're, you're bad at yeah. then you become consciously incompetent as you like this conversation you start to realize yeah. that there's this thing you're really bad at and you didn't yeah. know much about it and then through learning and putting the work in, you become consciously competent, as in you've had to you know, build new habits and new ways of thinking and yeah. talking. And then ideally, eventually, you get to being unconsciously competent because it's just now baked exactly. into your habits. Yeah. But so much of it, we're still at stage one yeah. and 
maybe some people have realized they're at stage two but they don't they haven't prioritized the work to yeah. get to that that yeah. next piece agree i think i think uh, you know we, we were coming to an end here but i think it would be great to give you the opportunity to maybe just like what would your top line advice be to to the industry right now and here to to start moving this conversation mm-hmm. you know oh, maybe it's not even a conversation we need to take action yeah the starting point i would definitely say is is everything is in the numbers so start with an audit of your business so that could be made up of employee engagement surveys um you know review all of the documentations and when you pull them all together so things like staff retention and why people leave your business there might be trends common threads that you've not pieced together by not looking at the data. But if you start with how your current employees feel, that's always a really great start place, especially being able to be able to um, analyze that data by different demographics, so by ethnicity, by gender. I just firmly believe that data will tell you huge amounts about how the current land lies and you can't take action until you really understand that. And that, that's super interesting because actually you need to know what you almost need to unlearn in principle within the data. Um, David, anything that you want to, 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 to wrap up things like I've been on a, a learning curve still, I can see I'm still, 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 well, still not very well informed about this. There's more, more to be done for my own sake, raising the hands and saying that and I can see as a, an industry, we could be actually a great uh, ambassador if we really go into this because we already have the people in the industry. There's already this diverse group of people working in the industry. We just need to you know, almost accelerate, unleash their potential in a way. I think that's it, yeah. I, I think it just seems like there's actually mm-hmm. a big opportunity there to tap into great people. And even if you just look at it and in, in that basis, then it seems to just make sense, doesn't it? I mean, even if you were just being purely logical and you weren't thinking about what's fair and just in society, yeah, there's, yeah. it's just intelligent, isn't yeah. it? I mean, isn't that just the way it should be? Uh, I mean, I agree with you. I, I certainly have a lot to learn and it's certainly an area that I feel um, like a kind of uh, a newborn deer trying to stand up and kind of tentatively work out where I stand and what the best things to do are but um, it's been great having you come and tell us today and um, I guess just where where can people find you if they want to get in touch and learn more Um, you can find us um, at www.bihospitality.co.uk or I'm on LinkedIn Lorraine Copes Um, we're on all the social channels so if you type in be inclusive hospitality you'll be able to find an email address um some contact details for sure great great thank you lorraine no problem for coming and and sharing your great knowledge here i really appreciate it with gratitude thank you thank you So that's the end for today thank you so much for listening we really hope that it sparked off an idea or two for you We'll make sure to include any links and references in the show notes. But if you'd like to start a conversation, you can email michael at hospitalitymavericks.com or david at objectspaceplace.com. You can also find them roaming around on LinkedIn, so feel free to connect. Finally, if you're enjoying this series, please consider letting the world know by honouring us with a five-star rating or even giving us a review. Okay, goodbye for now. 
Catch you next time for more discussions on hospitality and the infinite game.